the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Non-Christians do often feel bad about what they've done. They might even have some regrets, but they never repent before God because they really don't care about how their sin affects God, and they certainly don't care about turning from their sin. Years ago, I read a borrowed copy of a biography of the great evangelist George Whitfield. I wish I could find that book again and get one for myself. I remember him remarking about his anguish over his hearers who had shed abundant tears of regret and remorse over their sins, but they had not followed that up with repentance. Whitfield was grieved that they should experience such sorrow without salvation. You see, salvation is often accompanied by tears, but all the tears in the world will not save us. That comes through trust in the Lord Jesus, and repentance is an integral part of that kind of trust. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Bible teacher Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying Psalm 51, which is an amazing text. How often does the leader of a nation use his own sin as a teaching tool? But that's what David did. His sin with Bathsheba, followed by the murder of her husband, was about as bad as it gets. The aftermath of that sin was crushing to his soul until he repented. And he wanted everyone to learn from his experience, so he wrote a song about it, and he directed the National Choir Director to teach it to all the people. And we know that song as Psalm 51. If you have your Bible, turn there now, and let's see what we can learn from David's life lesson. Here's Pastor Steve. Now listen very closely, because knowing the depths of your sinfulness is is a very important component of repentance, because it means that you understand the truth about yourself. And what is that truth? That you are not basically good by nature. But you and I are evil by nature. And therefore, because we are sinful to the core, with a constitutional propensity to sin, you know that you need Christ to save you. If you're a believer, you know that. You need his righteousness imputed, meaning put on your account, because you have no righteousness of your own. You need to be born again, means regenerated, by having a new nature, a divine nature implanted in you because the nature that you were born with is corrupt and evil and it is totally unacceptable to God. David knew all of this. He knew that his sinful disposition was unacceptable to God. How do we know that David knew this? Well, notice what he goes on to say in verse 6. He says, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you'll make me know wisdom. Now, with this statement, David is telling us that he understands the root of his sin problem. His problem isn't simply that he's a sinner by nature. That is part of it. But it's also, this is what makes it a problem, that God requires, he says, inward purity of heart 
and he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. Why? Because he's totally corrupted by his sin. David says that God desires truth in the innermost being and wisdom to live properly. And he, being a sinner by nature, is incapable of meeting that requirement because his innermost being is sinful. It's depraved. It's incapable of making wise and godly decisions of behavior. See, when David wrote Psalm 51, remember, he was writing this as a converted man and not someone who had just recently been converted. He experienced the new birth and he experienced salvation years before when he was a young man. Even as a young boy, he was the psalmist in Israel. He was the sweet singer of Israel as he would shepherd his father's sheep out in the fields. He knew the Lord. He's known him for a long time. How he came to faith, we're not told. But he's not a a new convert. And it was at that time when David first came to, to faith that he repented of his sin because he recognized the truth about himself, that he had committed sin because by nature he was a sinner and that his real need before God was for a change of heart, not only forgiveness, but also a change of heart, a change of nature, not simply a change of some outward moral new habits. And now that he's an older man writing Psalm 51, he still is acknowledging the same truth about himself that he acknowledged many years earlier at his conversion, that he does acts of sin because at conception he became a sinner. Now, why is this so important for us to understand? Well, it is critically important to understand this for several reasons. First of all, because if you don't understand the root of your sin problem, you will never come to faith in Christ. You may not understand it in all these theological terms, but if you don't understand basically that you're rotten to the core, you won't come to faith in Christ. As long as you think that you are basically a good person who just slips up once in a while, you'll never see your need for Jesus Christ. You'll never see your need for his salvation. This is one of the primary reasons why people reject the gospel because if they don't see how sinful they really are, they're never going to see how desperate their need is for Christ. And when people like this are confronted with what the Bible says about being a sinner by nature, lawbreakers of every one of the Ten Commandments, void of any righteousness, defiant rebels against God, they tend to react with hostility, opposition. Why? Because their pride is wounded. It's a humiliating thing to be told that you're a sinner. It's a blow to the ego. Self-esteem is not lifted up when you hear this. And unless God does a work of grace in showing us how rotten we are, we are always going to strike back in anger and self-righteous indignation. But when the Lord does open our eyes and our hearts to our sinfulness, which is a supernatural and a sovereign work of God's grace on his part, we see how absolutely hopeless and helpless we are without Christ because we realize that we can't do anything about our sin, that our sin problem is not just some activities we can stop. It's our nature. Can't do anything about our sin. It's our nature to sin. And so no amount of self-helps or self-improvements or 
attempts to reform our outward behavior will do us any good before God because we don't need reformation. We need inward transformation, meaning that we need a new heart, a new nature that is bent towards godly obedience and holiness. And when we see this, that is when we repent of our sin and we turn to Christ to save us as God then does his most gracious work of giving us a brand new nature that now desires to please him, now desires to honor him by obedience. So it's important in that sense. Secondly, it's important to understand that our sinful conduct stems from a sinful disposition so that we understand even as believers in Christ that although we now have a new divine nature, we still struggle with sin. It's important to understand this. We still struggle with sin and therefore we need to continually repent of our wrongdoings. We are constantly being sanctified. We will only be perfect when the Lord takes us home. See, repentance is a very real and ongoing part of the Christian life. If you're a believer, you should be regularly repenting, regardless of how spiritually mature you are. This is precisely why we read in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say, John says, that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. He's actually saying you're not a believer. You're not just deceiving yourself. The truth isn't there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, according to the Apostle John, one of the evidences, and that's what he's writing about in 1 John, how do you know that you're saved? One of the evidences of being a true believer is that we do confess our sins to God in humble admission that we are guilty And we need his divine cleansing and order, not for initial salvation, we already have that, but to enjoy our fellowship with him. Otherwise, John says, we've deceived ourselves. We've deceived ourselves into thinking we're Christians, when in reality we are not. Now, going back to Psalm 51, David then is illustrating the same truth that John, many years later, will teach in the New Testament that a true believer still needs to confess and repent of his sin. Because even though David did experience regeneration and salvation when he was young, he still recognizes that he continues to sin. And where his sin stems from, it it goes all the way back to the very beginning of when he was formed at conception. So how is all of this then applicable to us as believers in Christ? Well, while we utterly detest, we loathe our sin, repentance is a good thing. It is a good thing because it reveals that we are really saved. It is part of your assurance of salvation. See, unbelievers do not repent ever. Their sin is continual. As I told you last session, they might feel remorse for their sin. They might feel some sorrow for their sin. They might feel sorry for their sin, as Judas did and Esau, but they don't repent. Non-Christians do often feel bad about what they've done. They might even have some regrets, but they never repent before God because they really don't care about how their sin affects God, and they certainly don't care about turning from their sin. In fact, far from repenting of their sin, 
unbelievers are marked, note this, by continuing in their sin. Why? Because they love their sin and they have no intention of forsaking it, regardless of what God says. Jesus said these words, powerful words, in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He said, this is the judgment that the light, he's the light, has come into this world and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. He does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Our Lord is saying that he is the light who has come into the world and men rejected and hated him. Why? Because they loved their sin. They loved the darkness, meaning that they, they loved sinning. And therefore, they refused to come to Christ because they didn't want their evil deeds exposed by him. Folks, that's still true today. Unbelievers continue in their sin rather than repent because they love their sin. They don't have struggles like a believer has. A believer struggles because, yes, there's a part of him that does love his sin, but he hates his sin too. That's the paradox. Unbelievers don't have that. They just love their sin. They don't hate it. They may hate the consequences, but they don't hate their sin because it's grieved God. So if, if you repent, that's a mark that you're really a Christian. That's, uh, that's not true of unbelievers. They do not repent. But believers do. They repent of their sin initially when we come to faith in Christ, and we continue to repent of our sin now that we are in Christ. And the reason that we repent is because we know that that sin grieves God. It dishonors God, and that bothers us terribly. We don't want to dishonor our Lord. We don't want to grieve Him. Also, because sin removes the, the joy of our fellowship with Him. It takes the gladness out of our hearts, and we can't stand that thought of, of being out of fellowship with God. Certainly, that was true of David, which is why after stating that the root cause of his sin problem is a disposition to sin that he received at conception, notice he goes right back to asking God to forgive him for what he's done in connection with Bathsheba and her husband and to restore him back to fellowship with himself. Notice verse 7, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, once again, David returns to what he started out doing at the beginning of the psalm. He's crying out to God for pardon, and he's asking God to make him clean. He just feels dirty for the sin that he committed, and he wants to be not just clean, but he wants to be so clean, notice that figuratively speaking, he wants to be whiter than even snow itself. Now, I want you to notice something that is easy to overlook But it's important that we see this. Notice that David asked the Lord to purify him with hyssop. You may have read this for many, many years and had no understanding of what hyssop means. So what does it mean? Well, hyssop is a small sponge-like plant with a straight stalk and a bushy head. I am told that it sort of looks like broccoli. You can get a visual on that. In ancient times, it was used, hyssop was used then like a brush because its, its hairy stems could be dipped in liquid and then just brushed on. And now in Israel, it was used in connection with animal sacrifices, either for brushing blood on something or the priest would use it to sprinkle someone with blood 
in a ritual cleansing ceremony. It was used, for example, in the Passover. The Passover celebration, the hyssop plant was used as a brush to apply the the blood of the sacrificed lamb to the doorpost, the lintel of the Israelites. But that's exactly what happened. The hyssop was used to brush on the blood of the lamb. Hyssop was also used, as I said, by the Jewish priests to sprinkle blood from an animal on someone who needed ceremonial cleansing, as in, for example, someone who had had um, leprosy or some type of skin disease, and now they were healed. Also, you had someone who had been defiled by touching a dead either person or animal. The priest would take the hyssop and blood on it and sprinkle them. Now, the fact that David This is what's important. The fact that David asked God to purify him with hyssop means that he understands the principle that God only forgives and cleanses anyone from sin based on the blood sacrifice of an innocent victim. God made it very clear in the Old Testament that the only way one could be forgiven and cleansed of their sin was by a substitutionary blood sacrifice. The innocent one being punished, and dying in the place of the guilty one, the just for the unjust. And folks, that principle has never changed. It has never been rescinded. But today, we have a little bit clearer understanding of all this. We understand, because the New Testament teaches this, that all of those Old Testament animal sacrifices were merely pictures Shadows, Paul says, they were pointing to the perfect sacrifice for our sins, all of our sins. The sacrifice and the substitutionary death of the Messiah himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice who takes away the sins of those who trust him for salvation. And then after we're saved, what happens? He cleanses us when we sin, not for our salvation. We don't need to be saved again. He cleanses us so we can continue enjoying fellowship with him. Listen, anytime you repent of your sin and you're seeking God's forgiveness and cleansing. It is always based on the sacrificial death, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why, as we read earlier, the Apostle John said in his first letter, listen again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us by the blood of Christ. Now, sometimes Christians, true Christians, struggle with accepting God's forgiveness. I know because I've done this myself. Even after we've repented and we've confessed our sin to God, we feel so bad about it. Now, if that's true of you, uh, that you struggle and you've confessed, you've repented, but it still bothers you, you feel like you have to keep saying it again and again, Lord, I'm so sorry. If that's true of you, there's only one thing that you need to do. You need to, by faith, take hold of what God's word says and believe it. Believe that he really is faithful and just to forgive you 
and cleanse you. And you don't need to keep coming back to him as if he didn't hear you the first time. As if you can do penance by continuing to tell him how sorry you are. In other words, you need to accept what God says about your sin being forgiven and stop doubting him. Believe what he says. Lord, thank you. It is forgiven. It is cleansed. You said that. That settles it. And be careful about believing the psychobabble that we hear so often these days that you just have to forgive yourself. Forget, listen, forgiving yourself is an unbiblical concept. Nowhere does Scripture say that we need to forgive ourselves. We sinned against God. So it is God's forgiveness that we need. And God does that. He gives his forgiveness and his cleansing because his son was punished in our place and therefore he will always forgive and cleanse those who repent of their sin. You have God's word for it. And to you who have repented, God says that you are so clean, you are purer than snow. That's what David said. He said, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Isaiah the prophet said essentially the same thing when he declared in Isaiah 118, come now, he said, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. Listen, no matter what you have done, no matter how gross or despicable your sin is, there is forgiveness with God based on on Christ's death. Christ receives all who repent of their sin for salvation. And to those Christians who repent of their sin, like David, he returns joy and he returns gladness to your soul. Notice verses 8 and 9, that's what he says. David says, make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you've broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Now, tell for to understand that David's sin with Bathsheba had taken place about a year before it was exposed by Nathan the prophet. So for a, for a whole year, this past year, David has been living under this heavy burden of, of guilt that has certainly affected him emotionally because here he asked God to return joy and gladness to him, meaning for the last year as he's been trying to cover up this sin, there's been no joy in his heart. Been, been no gladness there. Apparently, though, it also affected him physically, as sin often does, because he also asked the Lord to heal his broken bones, let his broken bones rejoice. Now, I don't think this necessarily means that David had suffered any broken bones in a, in a literal sense, but rather that his body just ached and felt broken under the heavy strain of sin that was weighing on him. But he wants all that to end right now, He doesn't want to be miserable anymore and and understand that believers who continue in their sin and don't repent, they are miserable. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to cover it up anymore. It's broken him emotionally. It's broken him physically. So once again, he asked God in verse 9 to hide his face from his sins and to blot out all of his iniquities. Now, folks, this entire first section of Psalm 51, it's devoted to telling us primarily one thing, that repentance is marked by an honest admission of our guilt. When a believer truly repents, there is always just a complete transparency before God over our guilt. No excuses, no minimizing of sin, no toning down of what we've done, just an open and honest confession of our sin in pursuit 
of God's forgiveness. That's what David has been teaching us in these first nine verses. Louis Burkhoff, in his systematic theology, wrote, True repentance never exists except in conjunction with faith. While on the other hand, wherever there is faith, there is also real repentance. The two are but different aspects of the same turning, a turning away from sin in the direction of God. The two cannot be separated. They are simply complementary parts of the same process. And we could add that repentance begins with confession. I'm glad you could be here with us today for Verse by Verse and another portion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's series of studies about genuine repentance. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a church in Clearwater, I know you'll find a warm welcome along with solid Bible teaching at Lakeside. For more information, call 727-441-1714 or browse online to lakesidechapel.com. That number again is 727-441-1714. You can catch up on previous broadcasts at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Message Archive tab and stream or download any file in our extensive library. And if the Lord is impressing upon you to help support this ministry, there is helpful information on the giving page. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Thanks for tuning in today. Martin Luther said, To do so no more is the truest repentance. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will introduce us to another mark of true repentance, a change in behavior. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.